Welcome in to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, what's the role for Patterson, as it should be, and just what the doctor ordered. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, you can check us out on the SiriusXM app and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So what will Cordero Patterson's role be? Obviously, as now Bijan Robinson is drafted, Tyler Algier is obviously still in the mix. Drake London and all the weapons and John U. Smith and all the different things that we have available to the Falcons and on the offensive side of the football, what will Patterson's role be? I really do think that he is going to convert more to a wide receiver type of role and, and specifically in the slot. So if you look at, I had Michael Rothstein on my show last night who covers the Falcons for ESPN, and we were talking about the idea of, you know, you want three running backs, right? Well, while I understand that, <clears throat> you also are in a situation where you've got a second-year guy and a rookie, and, and I think you're going to give them the bulk of the carries. And I understand Bijan Robinson is going to do all-purpose. He's a gadget player or whatever like that. Well, Patterson's going to be the same thing. But I'm not taking away carries from Tyler Algier and my rookie running back that I drafted at eight just to give 32-year-old Cordero Patterson some carries and get him in the mix. Now, I'm not saying that whether it's injuries or just in the flow of a game that he won't get some carries, maybe a third down run or whatever. I, I'm not saying that he's not going to get some rushing attempts, but I'm not going to take away carries from my two young guys. That That's why, that's again, when I've got production and it's really young and at running back, I'm going to load those guys up and I'm going to feed those guys the majority of the time. So I think his role is going to be in the slot. Now, a few years ago, he played a lot of slot. He played a lot of snaps in the slot as a slot wide receiver. And I think that when you look at, and I know that they signed Scotty Miller and all that, but again, Scotty Miller isn't a very good pass catcher. I mean, his catch percentage is very, very low. It's barely, barely above 55% as far as his pass catching goes. But I think when you look at Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Jonu Smith, guys who can get downfield, and not that not that London is a blow-by-everybody kind of guy, but even Scotty Miller, to a certain degree, who's got the good speed, just doesn't have the good hands for it. But I think that you push those guys downfield more, even Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts, I think you see those guys get in line and get down the field more, and then you have a guy like Patterson that, plays himself in the slot. So I would not be surprised. And then, you know, obviously too, let's just say, obviously kick returner and things like that. Like he's probably one of your main guys, you know, for your kick return game. Although Avery Williams has done a, a pretty nice job over the last couple of seasons with the kick and punt return aspect of it. But if you need maybe a big spark or a big play, you put Cordero Patterson back there. Now that he's got the record and all this kind of stuff, we're not going for that. But, you know, if you're looking for a big-time player, a big-time spark, 
maybe you put him back there. But I do think that his role at this point is going to be in the slot. And I really do think with the drafting of B. John Robinson <clears throat> that we are seeing the last of Cordero Patterson. Like this will be his final year. And, and I wouldn't even be surprised, dare I say this, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to either trade or cut Cordero Patterson once camp comes along and, and they get into the season or they get, I shouldn't say they get into, um, you know, get into uh, training camp and the preseason. I, I wonder if he isn't a guy, they don't need cap space. So we know that, but I wonder if he's a guy that at this point doesn't necessarily fit into what their offensive flow is. Like if I'm looking for a veteran that could get cut or traded, I think Cordero Patterson is certainly a candidate for all of that. But I think that when you look at what they're going to do with him, if he's staying around and he's going to be a part of this offense, he'll get a minimal amount of carries. I think he'll play in the slot and he'll be more of a pass catcher, sort of what he was early on in his career <clears throat> when he played in other places that he wasn't a feature running back. I think out of necessity, the Falcons have had to do that over the last couple of years. But I see his role being completely different for this team. I don't want to necessarily, again, take away carries from my two young guys. I don't want to, I don't want to give Cordell Patterson some ball, you know, some some ball carries just to get in the flow of the game and different things like that. When I've got B. John Robinson, who's high draft capital, and I've got Tyler Algier, who, you know, ran for, you know, not just a thousand yards, but he averaged 4.9 yards per carry last year. So I think that's where the bulk of our running game is going to come from with a sprinkling in of some carries from Patterson. And again, assuming that everybody's healthy and not injured and all this good kind of stuff, that that's what his role is going to be. And look, he could be a guy, and, and he obviously saw his pass catching diminished over the last year, right? You know, where he's whereas he caught a good bit of passes out of the backfield couple of years ago he didn't catch as much out of the backfield this year but I do think that his role is going to be more at wide receiver playing in the slot and, and being a red zone threat and, and we've talked about this on the show that for the Falcons to get really good the Falcons are going to have to be an elite red zone team that they're going to have to be a top five six red zone team that means scoring touchdowns on two-thirds of your possessions when you get down in the red zone. <clears throat> Patterson can be a part of that, whether he bulldozes it in on the running game or, more specifically, he catches some passes and finds himself, when, when you're trying to defend London and Pitts and Jonu Smith and all these other guys that you have, Patterson sneaking out of the backfield and catching passes in the red zone to score some touchdowns. I don't know what he is for a fantasy or – you know, all these kind of, you know, mythical, you know, creature things and all this good kind of stuff for fantasy football. But I still think Patterson, <clears throat> I still think Patterson has some value to this franchise. And I would like to see them make sure that, you know, I, I think he needs to be a part of this offense because Arthur Smith, for what you want to say, has done a masterful job of maximizing the usage of Cordero Patterson. He's done a magnificent job of finding ways to use him, unlike any other coach has ever done in the NFL with Patterson. You know, he was a Pro Bowl player 
as a kick returner, right? As a special teams player. But two years ago, Arthur Smith <clears throat> made him one of the better running backs in all of the NFL, and he was a double-digit touchdown guy. So I still think that there is value in Cordero Patterson, and, and he could be a part of this offense. I just think that his role is going to be different. I just think that his role is going to evolve, and I still think that this will be his last year as he moves into his free agent year of his contract. I do think that this is his last year in Atlanta. I think that with the drafting of, of B. John Robinson, that he's a guy that come after the end of the year is going to be expendable. And maybe they draft another young running back or gadget type of player. But I hope Patterson stays with his team. I hope that he continues to find a role. But I think that role is going to be back to what he did in years past as a wide receiver and more specifically playing in the slot and maybe being de maybe being that dependable third down guy that we need. Maybe being a guy who cleans up some touchdowns in the red zone when you got to focus on everybody else. But I still think that there's a lot of value to have him on the football field. He knows this organization. He knows Arthur Smith. He understands the way that this offense runs. And I still think that he's got value to this team when all is said and done. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel as this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Listen, FanDuel, you know, is America's number one sportsbook. And obviously, as we are deep into baseball season, we're over a quarter of the way through the season, okay? FanDuel has got you covered where if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel allows you to bet on everything from money lines to over-unders on runs to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to hit, everything in between. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Sign up today, place your first bet, and you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now and get more information. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So looking at odds, speaking of odds and different things like that, right now the vast overwhelming favorite to be the NL MVP is Ronald Acuna Jr. Now, look, obviously we've got three quarters of the season left to go, right? I mean, it, it's it's still early enough in the baseball season that, again, we, we are you know, probably jumping the gun a little bit on all of this. But quarter of the way through, if you look at what the odds say right now, it's overwhelming. I mean, look at FanDuel, for instance. Ronnie's a plus 165 to win the MVP award. Pete Alonzo is second at plus 1,000. Um, Fernando Tatis is plus 1,100. Mookie Betts is plus 1,400. And Juan Soto is plus 1,600. And Ronnie across all of the boards is the massive, massive betting favorite to win the MVP award. 
And obviously he's off to a monster season, you know, nine homers, 25 RBI, 17 steals. He's hitting 344 on the season with a 436 on base percentage, 588 uh, slugging, a 1.024 OPS, and he's got 37 runs scored. So he's going to blow by some of the numbers that he put up just from a couple of years ago, right? I mean, you know, he he had the monster season a couple of years ago and, and even back earlier in his career when he finished fifth in the MVP in his second full year when he had 41 homers, 101 RBI, 127 runs scored to lead the National League, or sorry, to lead uh, the majors, and then 37 stolen bases to lead the league. So he's probably going to dwarf some of those numbers. Now, is he going to get to 40-40? I mean, obviously, that's the big thing is, can he get to 40-40 this year? If he gets to 40-40, he's a lock for the MVP because we don't see that very often, right? I mean, that's reserved for Bonds and A-Rod and some players like that. But he's off to a monster start. And I've always said this about, about Ronnie. He really is the straw that stirs the drink. You can have some of the other guys that, that do some big things, you know, whether it's Olsen or Austin Riley or Ozzie Albies or guys that, you know, have been in the lineup over the last couple few years. But Ronnie is the straw that stirs that drink. He's the guy that sets the table. And when he's on, <clears throat> the Braves are a really good offensive team. It feels like when he's struggling that the Braves can't get anything going or they can't accumulate runs the way that they normally can because a lot of those home runs turn into solo home runs or a lot of those doubles and base hits don't amount to much because he's not standing on first or second. Now he's on pace to steal 60 plus bases. I think right now he's on pace for 30 something homers, not quite 40, but 30 high mid high thirties in homers, but he's on pace to steal 60 plus bases. And obviously with some of the new rules that are, you know, in place now with the bigger bases and you can only throw over twice and all these good kinds of things, he's really taking advantage of that. And I love to see, that aspect of the game. And I, and I still think that I say this all the time that the Braves should use their speed more, whether it's Albies and Ronnie and guys like that. I mean, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, Dan's being different people, they, they need to use their speed. Michael Harris, another guy, they need to use their speed because that's one of their big assets that they have. One of the big things about this team is, yeah, they can slug it with anybody and they can bash the ball with anybody, but they have a lot of team speed and, and they can get around the base paths and they can go from first to, you know, home on a double to the wall. They can score from second on a bloop single like we've seen before Ronnie do. So it's good to see that he's off to this monster start. And right now, if you look across the board at the betting lines, he is the overwhelming favorite, like by a significant margin to be the National League MVP. I know we got a long way to go, okay? Well, obviously, we've got three quarters of the season left to be played. But still, it's fantastic to see Ronnie coming back from all the injuries where, where last season was sort of a lost year, right? I mean, you know, and, and you know, unfortunately, that's kind of shaping up for what Kyle Wright and, um, you know, some of their pitchers are having. But last year was kind of a lost season and it wasn't a bad year, 
for Ronnie. I mean, the, when he played 15 homers and 50 RBI with 29 steals and a 351 on base percentage, 764 OPS, 71 runs in only 119 games. It wasn't like that when he played, he wasn't all that productive. He was productive. It was just a matter of the amount of games that he played. And then obviously in the World Series year, obviously missing the second half of the season. So he's talked about this as far as now he's completely healthy. Like he felt like this was the first first time in a couple of years that he has been completely healthy and injury free. And, and he can just go out there and play baseball his way. And I really do think that he's going to have his best season as a major leaguer. Like he's going to, again, we saw that the year in his second you know season where it was 40 homers, 127 runs that he led the league in. I do think that this is going to be his best season ever. And I do think that it could culminate itself into an MVP award. We talked a couple of weeks ago that his defense has been outstanding. It feels like that every night he's coming up with some defensive highlight. Well, again, he's translating that to being in the box as well. He's translating that to what he's doing in the batter's box, that his defense has been outstanding. He's making highlight plays, and it seems like every night he's doing something to help this club win. So now everything is kind of turning in this whole package for Ronald Acuna, that basically it's all coming together for him now. And I do think that when you look at the leaders in the clubhouse, Ronnie is running away with this right now. Ronnie is Ronnie is lapping the field right now. And guess what? All of the betting sites and websites and fantasy sports and FanDuel and everybody, they all think the same thing because he's the overwhelming favorite right now to be the MVP of the league by a significant margin over everybody else. So let's hope this continues for Ronnie. Let's hope that he puts together this MVP season. I would love to see it. I'd love to see him lead the league in steals and runs and win the MVP and win a gold glove and have all of this come together for him finally to where there's no doubt that he's the best player in all of Major League Baseball. He's the ultimate five-tool player for baseball. All right, after you make Hitting Hard with John Chuck, where you first listen, make sure you go in and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. So we want to hear back from you. We want to know that you're out there. We want to have comments left that you are an everydayer, as we like to say. So we thank you so much for being a part of our community. It's ever growing. It's it's growing by you know leaps and bounds every single day. But we want to know that you are an everyday listener, that you listen into the program five days a week. So leave us a comment in whatever podcast platform that you're on and let us know that you're an everydayer, that you are an everyday listener to the program. So last night was just what the doctor ordered, right? Now, we talked about this literally yesterday. I asked a question about, okay, you know, how sustainable was this run that the Braves were on? They had had a four-game losing streak. They were, you know, using five-and-a-half pitchers in these in these last four games that they had lost. And obviously, it was eight, it was six, it was five. The only time that they didn't use at least five pitchers was in Spencer Strider's big start, where he had six and two-thirds innings, one run, and 12 strikeouts, right? Well, last night, both Morton and the offense gave them exactly what they needed. 
And we literally just talked about this yesterday on the show. Charlie Morton was outstanding. Six and two-thirds innings, seven hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts, and one walk. He's now lowered his ERA in 106 pitches. And by the way, they were desperately trying to get him to get through seven innings in that game. Like Snicker was giving him every opportunity, but he just he started getting a couple of guys on base and was first and third. And rather than just, you know, have him fall off a cliff or anything like that, obviously they just went to their bullpen and, and, and they brought in Young and he closed it out. So first off, Charlie Morton is has been really good this year down to a 285 ERA for Charlie Morton. Now 5 and 3, 285 ERA. 10 strikeouts and 6 and 2 thirds. And by the way, you know, for anybody that's dismissing the the Texas Rangers, they were 25 and 15, the same record as the Braves on the season, and they were 12 and 6 at home. So, they've not only had a really good record and they lead their division, they not I think they're four games up on the Astros. So, they've not only had a good record but they've been a really good home team. Now, obviously, the Braves now improved to 16 and 6 on the road. The Braves have been outstanding on the road, but the Rangers are a good, a good baseball team. They have been pretty good and they have played really well. And again, they're four games up over the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champions. But Morton was outstanding. And then Young came in and pitched the final two and one Thursday. And I was curious to see if Young was going to pitch the rest of the game. They brought Young in with two outs in the seventh inning, and he got the final out, and I was curious as to whether or not Snitker would burn any more guys out of his bullpen, and he didn't, and I give him credit for that. And obviously, look, it was made easier because it was a 12-0 game. We'll talk about the offense here in just a second. It was obviously a 12-0 game, but Young was able to just come in, close it out, and he pitched well because, look, sometimes you get into those reliever spots and you give up a couple few runs and things like that and you know again you're up so big in a game that eh, a couple of runs doesn't matter here or there but I thought he did a really nice job of just coming in shutting down the door just closing everything out two and a third inning three hits and no runs thought he did an outstanding job and that was instead of five and a half pitchers like it's been averaging over the last four games that was two Two pitchers exactly. And they were trying to get Morton to get through that seventh inning, but it just didn't happen. So not only was the pitching where it needed to be, but we talked about yesterday that they had only scored nine runs in this four-game losing streak. Well, they scored 12 last night, and it was a home run brigade. Ronnie hit a two-run homer. Uh, Riley homered in the game. Ozuna homered in the game. Kevin Pillar homered in the game. And Orlando Arcia, who we got to start talking about, he was two for two last night with two walks. Two for two, three runs, two RBI, and two walks. He's hitting 333 with a 395 on base percentage. How crazy is all that? So, again, the bats came out. They did their job. They got the offense cranked up and going. And, and it was all good in Braves country, right? They scored their 12 runs. They bashed uh, the pitchers around. And I think. The kid that was on the mound for the, the Rangers was making his major league debut. Good. That's what you do. You bash him. You, you leave him with a you leave him with a lasting memory of we're going to come in here and we're going to bash your brains in for it. But the key thing was that Charlie Morton pitched not just well, 
but they did not have to turn to their bullpen. They did not have to burn through a bunch of arms because again, as we explained yesterday on the show that, you know, there was some fortunate things that happened that they got two days off in one week. Right. I mean, you don't normally see that where you've got a Monday off and a Thursday off and you're playing, you know, some road games mixed in, but you don't get those opportunities all that often. And they were kind of setting everything up to get ready for this week. And Morton was outstanding. And now Morton, you know, again, we talked about Elder and we talked about Strider, that Morton is now that third kind of piece, you know, to solidify their starting rotation. And if Morton can give them, you know, at least five, maybe six, maybe seven innings, because he's an innings eater, then that's going to help save your bullpen as well. Because as we talked about yesterday, can't burn through six, eight guys every single night out of your bullpen. And Morton and Young really did their job last night. I mean, it was good to see the offense get things cranked up, and it was good to see that everybody was contributing last night offensively. You know, Ozuna kind of breaking out a bit of a funk. He hit the home run. RC has been outstanding at the bottom of the order. Ronnie getting some things going <clears throat> at the top with the two-run homer. So good all the way around last night. But last night was just what the doctor ordered. Last night was the perfect elixir to everything that the Braves needed. And most importantly was you only used two pitchers and you got it done. And not only got it done, but you pitched a shutout. You had a, you had a shutout, which is still a rare thing in today's Major League Baseball. But the Braves were outstanding last night. And that was just what the doctor ordered because they got the offense cranked up and they didn't use very many pitchers. Now let's hope that they can sort of replicate that formula moving forward. It's not going to be easy now that Kyle Wright is on the 60-day IL, as you saw. So a lot of questions, and Alex Anthopoulos was on our radio station yesterday. He said their, their answers for their starting rotation are going to come from in-house, that right now they're not going outside the organization because it just is cost prohibitive. So they're going to have to find options within the organization itself. And they have the arms. Now can some of those guys perform and not have to completely burn out their bullpen? All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure you go in and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers. So whatever podcast platform that you're on, let us know that you're an everydayer, that you listen in every day of the week, five days a week to all of our programs. And we thank you so much for being a part of this ever-growing community. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you, listen, wherever you listen to your podcast from. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Locked on Sports Atlanta. 